Moses, the making of a champion. And we kind of got sidestepped by a little, but it was good. You know, we, we had some interruptions, but it was good. And so you're going to get a straight shot now. We're going to finish this out, I think, okay? And uh, we're on number nine today. And, um, uh, and, and let me just tell you about the next two weeks. Because the next two weeks are going to deal with heart issues. Anybody ever have to deal with heart issues? And you cannot listen or be part of this sermon today unless you keep asking yourself, to God, are we okay? <laughs> you know, unless you keep saying to God, you know, are, are we okay, God? Am, am I doing what's right? Has, have you ever noticed that you think you're okay and then you realize that your heart is kind of hardened, you know, along the way and you kind of pick up? I, I kind of look at it like that commercial where there's a magnet and people walk outside of their house and all this stuff starts clicking on the magnet. It's like, yeah, I started out okay, but all this stuff, you know, clicks on, you know, we go out in the world and this clicks to me and this clicks to me. And the next thing you know, man, you're carrying around all this baggage. How many know we're good baggage carriers? You know, we carry baggage and we, you know, we, we, we do it well. And we, we hide it. You know, we hide our heart issues and we think, oh, nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to care. Or, you know, we think, how many just know after a while it just comes out? It comes out of the way you smile. You know, how many of you can get around somebody and within about 30 seconds you can tell whether they've been with Jesus or not? You know, I mean, they don't even have to say anything. You just be around for about 30 seconds and you can say, you know what, that person's been with Jesus and, you know, I want to be around us. And here's what Jeremiah 17.9 says, he says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who knows how bad it is? And I just want to declare over you today, over the next few weeks, okay, the next two weeks specifically, you know, we're going to talk about heart issues. And, and this week, we're going to talk about to bow or to be broken. Because how many know if you don't bow to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will bow you know, someday before him, and either you're going to come to him now and say, God, break me now, or we will be broken later. And I would rather God, you know, I, I kind of do it on my own rather than have to, you know, uh, be forced into something to be dealing with it. And, uh, and so this sermon should evaluate your heart to, to say, you know, God, are we okay? You know, uh, is there anything I need to deal with? Now, let me just back up just a little bit, because when we met Moses... He was a baby in the bulrushes, uh, then he was running for his life, then he was a shepherd in the desert for 40 years, and then we see that he meets God at a burning bush, and then he comes back into uh, uh, Egypt, and he's, he's going to have a showdown with Pharaoh, and uh, he's going to bring deliverance to the people. And you see how he was brought up from obscurity into prominence, that God you know, just took this nobody, nothing kid, and, and he designed every part of his life that every part of his life had some sort of meaning in it. Some of you say, well, my life doesn't mean much right now. I'm going to tell you, every part of your life has a story and has a meaning to it. And so he's now ready to face Pharaoh, and he's ready to deliver his people. And Exodus 6.1 says this, and I think this is very interesting. He says, then the Lord told Moses, now you will see. Everybody say that. Now you will see. Okay. Here's what I want you to see, is, is all of a sudden the Lord is saying, you know, you've been praying for something. How many have been praying for something for a long time, and all of a sudden the Lord says, okay, now I'm going to answer your prayer. You know, now you're going to see God come through. And I just feel like the Lord is just kind of expediting this word to my heart, to our heart, for New Life Chapel, because I just feel like, 
Okay, and I almost feel like today's the day. You know, that we're entering into a whole new season of this church. Into a, a season of, of much fruitfulness, much healing. God is the God who is the healer. I love how even, you know, you ever notice how people that you had trouble with in the past, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, God, you know, think, oh God, how's that going to work out? How's that going to work out? I, I think over the last week, okay, the last two weeks, maybe God has brought person after person who I thought, you know, hey, you know, they left, they were upset and all of a sudden they're back and it's like, you know what, pastor, we left, we shouldn't have left and we're, we're sorry. And you know, it's God is doing some healing there. And I like that when God does healing. And so you're going to see this battle between the Pharaoh, uh, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians with Moses. And, you know, Moses had become like God to them. That's what the Bible says. He says Moses had become like God. And, and the way this happens, and the way it happens in your life is when you start praying and God starts answering. You know, you're praying for people, they're healed. And people are saying, you know, I went to him and, or her and I prayed and God healed. And I said, whoa, that's amazing. You know, and then you go to another person and all of a sudden people start hearing the miracles and hearing what God's doing. And, and, and in essence, what happens is that they, you know, they say, you know what, you need to go to this guy. He, he's been with God. He's like God to us because when we pray, he, God answers his prayers. How many of you like that? You just go pray and God would just answer your prayers. <clears throat> and so, you know, God is going to turn up the heat now, okay, and, and he's going to fill their land with plagues. And we're going to talk about the plagues today. Now, you remember these, you know, some moments are frozen in time. You know, it's like they're such monumentous moments. And this is one of them, you know, the, the plagues. And we remember them because unlike any, they're unlike anything that has ever happened before. They stand alone. And, and that's when, as we study the ten plagues today, there was nothing like that before. There's nothing like that been since the ten plagues stand alone. And here we have this extraordinary story that stretches over five chapters in the book of Exodus. And there's nothing like it in the Bible. On one level, you have this confrontation between two powerful leaders. Okay? Uh, you have Moses and Pharaoh. And here's the thing. Only one of them is going to win. You know? And maybe at that time, you didn't know who was going to win but I'm going to tell you, we look back now and we know that God wins. God always wins. And there's going to be this confrontation. There will be one winner and there will be one loser. And Moses represented God. And Pharaoh ruled, you know, uh, the most powerful nation of Egypt. Israel had one God and Egypt had many. And when it was over, Moses and the Jews will be gone from Egypt forever. And, and they'll be at last free from their enslavement of the last 400 years. Now, as we begin this study, okay, today, there's two preliminary, prelim, preliminary okay, I brushed my teeth this morning, haven't worked since, okay, <laughs> preliminary remarks here that I want to give you. And first, something like this had to happen or Israel would not go free. And, and Pharaoh would not let the Jews go on their own, you know. Why give him up his free slave labor? You know, you go over to Egypt now, and there's all these buildings, and they say, look what we've done. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you did it on the back of the Jews. You know, and, 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 and here we have, he's, he, instead of letting them go, he starts treating them harsher. And it would take something supernatural to change his mind. Now, 
I, when I preach, I, I'm always thinking right now about California, and I'm thinking about um, the United States. You know, because right now, how many of the, California especially, is just taking a real turn left, and, and the United States is, you know, just doing the same thing. And we, we, we're praying, God, how is that going to happen? How, I'm going to tell you, eventually, if, the, if we don't listen, if people don't listen, God's going to say, okay, it's time to turn up the heat. How many know when God starts turning up the heat a little in our lives because that's the only way he can get our attention? All of a sudden say, yeah, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Come on. And so the second part of this is that when I read this story, nothing in this story makes sense apart from God. You know, in my mind, I just think, wow, man, it's not exactly the way I would do it. But, you know... Uh, and, and we only know, you know, in the Bible, you know, you have guys like Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. They're the only ones that really did a lot of miracles. And, you know, you don't see it a whole lot. But I'm telling you, when I look at the story, nothing makes sense apart from God. And God becomes the center of the story as he's becoming the center of your story. And um, I want you to look, look at Exodus chapter uh, 7, verse 5. It says, when I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites... He said, the Egyptians are going to know that I am the Lord. And there is coming a place. I really believe this with all my heart, whether it's in California or whether it's across this, the, the United States. There's going to come a time, and you just look what happened down in Florida. It's like, you think you have all this stuff. You think you, you, you're, you're pretty set in your ways. You know, God shows us how powerful nature is, and, and I can bring it to nothing. I can bring everything that you have to nothing. And you come across this profound mystery that the Bible says that, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Look at uh, Exodus chapter 7, verse 3 and 4. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn. Okay? Anybody in this room kind of understand stubborn a little? Okay? Is anybody sitting next to stubborn? Okay? <laughs> Boy, his hand went up pretty fast there. You know, I mean, it's like there wasn't even doubt about it, man. And... And here's what he says. He says, I'm going to make Pharaoh's heart stubborn so I can, well, read it with me, please, so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. And I'm thinking California, okay, and I'm thinking the United States, and God says, you know, I can just turn up the heat a little. You know, you say, man, I don't know whether everything's going to go sideways. You know, it's going to go so sideways, eventually the only answer that we have will be God. That'll be the only answer. And he says in verse number four, even then Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. So I will bring down my fist on Egypt and I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. Now here's God says, come, let me love you. Let me take care of you. Let me minister to you. Let me, let me be your Jehovah Jireh. Let, I am enough for everything. We say, I refuse to have you in my life. He says, okay. I will then now bring down my fist into your life. And I, I think, you know what? I'd rather do it the first time than the second time because it's not as hard. And so God hardened his already hardened heart. And it's not as if he loved the Jews in the beginning because on the contrary, you know, he, he cared for them, but only because they were free labor. And um, he did learn some things along the way, but he forgot them. How many know some of us learn things along the way and we just forget the lessons that we've learned? 
And it's like, okay, you're going to have to go around this tree again because the lesson you learned, you didn't really learn. It was superficial. And so, you know, these ten plagues, they occur in a definite order. And the first nine fall into groups of three. Let me just give you this, okay? First, there is the blood, the, uh, and I'll explain all these, the frogs and the gnats. And we will call that discomfort, okay? That's the first three, okay? That, you're just discomforted. It's not comfortable. Then there's the flies, the cattle, and the boils. And we'll just say that brings destruction. And then the last three is the hail, the locusts, and the darkness brings devastation. And, and God will say, you know what? I'm going to make you uncomfortable a little bit every once in a while in your life when you're not walking with me. You know, if that doesn't work, you know, I can bring destruction too. I think Florida's, uh, you know, I, God has his hand on nature there. And uh, lastly, he says, I'll bring devastation to you. And so there's this increase in severity. It starts with the blood and the frogs and it ends up in darkness and death. And so we, you ask the question, well, why did God send the, the, t- the, the ten plagues? And one, he wanted to defeat the, the gods of Egypt. He wanted to display his power. But thirdly, he wanted to deliver his people. And, and that's what God wants to do in your life. You say, why is all this happening? Some of you say, I just don't understand why everything's happening. I'm going to just say, God's turning up the heat because he loves you. And, and look at Exodus chapter 12 because, you know, Egyptians, they worship many gods. And the Lord God Almighty is going to defeat each of them in battle. You're going to see each of these gods defeated in battle. And, and it, it would be that God could not be denied. Exodus 12, 12. On that night I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn and firstborn male. Uh, firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. And I will execute judgment against the gods of Egypt. For I am the Lord. Now, this is pretty powerful. Now, John Calvin, you know, he... Uh, Uh, was uh, uh, a great minister, you know, in olden days, and this is what he said. He said, the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. And it's true. Man, we're picking up idols everywhere we go. You know, David Wilkerson said about our TV, if your TV's not an idol, how come all the the chairs in your living room are pointed that direction? (laughs) You know? Now, I want to just do a quick review. I'm not going to read every passage over the next five chapters about the plagues, but I just want to bring some things to your attention. And the first one is the water turned to blood, okay? I want you to imagine that. Now, the plagues begin with the Nile River turning to blood, and that makes sense because the Nile, you know, kind of, um, um, you know, goes through Egypt, and uh, without the Nile, there'd be no Egypt. And the and so all the water in Egypt turns to blood. Just imagine this, okay? Uh, imagine the smell, okay? And imagine the odor, the stench of the dying fish that it was there. Not only did that water turn to blood, okay? The Bible says that it was everywhere. It was in their jars to drink, in their jugs of water that they had in their house for their house. Uh, every bit of water turned to blood. Can you imagine that type of plague that, and some of you, you know, have OCD. Can you imagine with a little blood how you'd feel with a lot of blood, okay? And uh, when the Egyptians, you know, it's kind of funny. 
Pharaoh would look at his magicians and says, well, they just turned the water into blood. Can you do that? And they said, sure. And so they turned whatever water was left. I don't know how they got it. Maybe they had bottled water back then. But, you know, they turned that water into blood. Okay. Just stay with me. Next one. I think this is one of my favorites. It's the, the plague of frogs. Okay. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been in Central America or South America or something like that or tropical places. Um, in the evening, as it starts cooling off, you'll start hearing this, you know, the, the frog song. Anybody, remember, anybody heard the frog song? And, you know, just, I mean, and, but, you know, you've got to imagine thousands. They start coming out of wherever they are, and you can't even walk without stepping on them. They're so bad down there in those places. Okay, now look at Exodus 8, verse 3. The Nile River swam with frogs. They will come up out of the river and into your palace, into your bedroom and into your bed. They will enter your houses of your officials and your people. They will even jump into your ovens and your kneading bowls. Come on, people. My brother was, uh, had a, a disobedient streak in his life. And so he kept coming in too late. So my dad thought, I'm going to take care of him. And so he went out in the backyard, found a frog, stuck it in there, his covers. Okay? My, my brother came home late one night. Okay, this is good parenting one-on-one skills. Okay? And he stuck his, he got into bed, stuck his foot into the bed, and his foot hit that frog. You should have heard this guy scream. I mean, it was, it was probably one of the best moments of my life because I knew what was coming. Okay? And, and so imagine back then, there are frogs everywhere. You open a door, you find a frog. You know, you pick up a cup, a frog jumps in. You know, oh, look, there's a frog in my, my bread. You know, I mean, it's like that's the way it was. And, you know, frogs might make uh, good pets for children, but it would be disgusting to find them in your bathtub, in your bed, or whatever it might be. And somehow, somehow, okay, the Egyptians duplicated this miracle. I don't know. And it's like, why do you want to do something more stupid, okay? And then, then Pharaoh begged Moses, you know, for relief. And this is probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Moses goes, well, when do you want me to get rid of the frogs? Now, this is, this is almost hilarious to me because if I had a problem with frogs, okay, and you said, when do you want to get rid of the frogs? How many answer would be right now? How many would say right now, okay? But here's what, they, what Pharaoh says. Tomorrow. Now, now that's, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people, you know, you're dealing with sin issues in your life. And this is as a pastor. How many people, you know, you know God is dealing with you right now and want, you, you, need, you need to get rid of the sin in your life. And I can't tell you how many people have said, yeah, yeah, I, I need to get rid of the sin in my life. And it's like, okay, when do you want to get rid of that? Uh, tomorrow. And how many know tomorrow never comes for some of us? You know, so soon the land reeked of... Uh, the smell of dead frogs and Pharaoh's heart got harder. Okay, look at the next one. Uh, this is in chapter 8, verses 16 through 19. It's gnats. Now, these were tiny sand fleas, okay? And um, they produced painful bites and sores. Okay, they got on you, and then they, you know, it's like flea blight bites all over you. And I, I don't do good with flea bites. You know, some people, you know, they, they're... That you have such sour blood that they don't like you, man. But they, you know, I, I start coming into the south and they start gathering. Okay? I mean, seriously. 
uh, and they start coming at you, you know, these, these fleas and mosquitoes and, you know, and they start seeing me. I, I was up in the mountains one time, I was backpacking, and I saw this dark cloud coming toward me, and I thought, what is that? And it was like all these mosquitoes were saying, white, fresh blood, <laughs> you know, and they're coming at me, and, you know, they're going to, they're going to, and I don't do well. You know, they, they bite me, and then they, you know, they itch a little, then they itch a lot, and then they, you know, they keep itching, and I, you know, and it just, you know, I'm miserable, okay? So, you know, that you see that happening, and, and guess what? But here's the interesting thing. The magicians tried to duplicate this one, but they couldn't, which tells me that the limits of uh, Satan's power, or the power of Satan is limited, okay? So now let's go down to the, uh, the next one. Verse number four is the gnats, or the insects, in uh, verses eight through 20. So Moses warned... Uh, uh, Pharaoh that God was about to send swarms of flies on the land. And the Hebrew word is very general here. It, it was an infestation of flies. Now, we were coming home from Las Vegas and a fly got in our car yesterday. Okay, one fly. I mean, I was like I was trying to drive the road just to get away from that fly, but he was in our car. I couldn't get him out. I rolled the window down. You know, I, you know, I was trying to do all this and does anybody else get annoyed by one fly? Okay, so I want you to imagine, you know, you know, Pharaoh's getting harder and harder, and and um, and I want you to imagine that. Okay, we're going to turn up the flies, you know, turn up this uh, plague, and the flies are everywhere, everywhere. Okay, and it temporarily worked because Moses told, um, or Pharaoh told Moses, well, go ahead and sacrifice. But uh, you only can go on a three-day journey, you know, and, and only can it take the men. But his heart got hard again. Uh, number five, okay, and uh, this is in chapter nine, the livestock, okay. And uh, can you imagine? This is what the Bible says that, you know, and you can imagine that cattle, donkeys, uh, camels, um, sheep, that they were part of the Egyptian economy. And on this appointed day, every bit of livestock in the field died. No animals lived. Now, how many think that God's trying to get their attention? Like, I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than your gods. These are the gods you worship. All these different things that I'm bringing up, they were gods that the Egyptians worshiped. And, and yet, yet in this story, God spared the uh, Israelite gods or the Israelite animals. Now, look at Exodus chapter 9, verse 7. So Moses, or Pharaoh sent his uh, officials to investigate, and they discovered that the Israelites not, had lo not lost a single animal, but even so, watch this, read it with me, but Pharaoh's heart remained, what, stubborn, and he refused to let the people go. Now, let's go to this next one, okay, number uh, six. I'm trying to go through these quickly. This is in chapter nine, verses eight through 12. There were boils. Now, come on. I, I, that's one thing that just makes me miserable. And um, so this plague touched both man and, and whatever beast were left. And when Moses threw um, a furnace suit into the air, it says this, that it caused a festering boils over all the people of Egypt. And it even uh, covered the, the magicians that were right there. And, uh, but the Bible says that Pharaoh's heart was even hardened and he would not listen to Moses. See, I think God is trying to get our attention on things and we keep saying, well, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And God says, okay, you know, I, I can turn it up more. I can turn it up more. Okay, can you imagine that? Number seven. Okay, think about this, hail. 
Okay, because in chapter 9, verses 13 through 15. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen hail that is damaging. But, uh, you know, we get them a little here. But, you know, uh, I, was, I was camping this, um, this last uh, spring. And this guy pulls in with his trailer. And I said, oh, that's a really nice trailer. And he goes, yeah, it's just brand new because I was down in the south. And I was in um, someplace and a hailstorm came. And he had one of those airstreams. And he says it dented up the whole thing. It looked like a, you know, a, a kettle pan, you know, with all these dents in it. And, and he said I had to get a new one. And so, you know, it, it just almost destroys the country. And when, you know, God warned the Egyptians to take shelter, those who didn't, they were died. You know, so... Uh, and so look at 9.15, it says, By now I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. How many know God's trying to get their attention? And, and I hope that you're looking at this and say, Yeah, God, I, I keep going around this tree and doing the same thing, expecting the same results. And how many know that's the definition of insanity? You know, somewhere along the line, you got to say, enough is enough. And man, if I have to do something radical for my life or my family, you know, uh, if I have to go on a fast for my kids and my grandkids, if I have to, you know, uh, do whatever I have to do, God, I'm going to do it because I want breakthrough in my life. We're already planning our fast for January, January 9th to the 29th. And, um, you know, some of you just need to just plan on that now. We're going on that fast, you know, that Daniel fast where we're going to say, whatever it takes, Lord, we want breakthrough in our life. And um, Exodus verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 27. Then Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, this time I have sinned. Now, how many know, how many know I have heard, I have heard that from people. I, I hear it all the time. I've sinned again, Pastor. You know, I hear that all the time. And he confessed that. And he says, the Lord is the righteous one and the people and I are wrong. And he confesses it, but he doesn't hold on to it. It's like, okay, I, I say that today, but tomorrow I don't feel that way. And when the plague ended, he hardened his heart again. Number eight, the locust. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. Look at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. I have made him and his officials stubborn. So... Okay, that I can display my miraculous signs among them. I've also done it uh, so you can tell your children and grandchildren how I made a mockery of Egyptians about the signs I displayed among them, and you will know that I am the Lord. So this is the plague of locusts, okay? Um, it's a big thing. Now, I don't know if you noticed last week, there was, locusts are like little grasshoppers. Did you notice they were everywhere here? Uh, when we were up in Las Vegas, um, they were up there too. And I saw a car that literally was covered with these locusts everywhere. Now, can you imagine there would be so much everywhere, everywhere you walk, crunch, 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 you know. And, and I believe that God is still trying to get a hold of them. And, and he's saying, how long will you refuse, you know, to let the Jews go? And, you know, Pharaoh's men had had enough. They're urging Pharaoh to... You need to give in on this. And Pharaoh agreed that they could go. Uh, but then again, he said, only the men. And he, he says, and, and Moses said, no deal, no deal, no deal. And once again, Pharaoh says, I have sinned, but it was temporary. And when the locusts left, so did his temporary repentance. And that's the way a lot of people, I, 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 people, I see people, oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor, I did it again. And I'm thinking, well, just change, just let God change you, you know. Let God deliver you. And then number nine is darkness, okay? 
I don't know if you've ever been in a... Have you ever gone to uh, the, these caves, these caverns where you go inside and then they go down really deep and they turn off the lights? Um, a few years ago, my wife and I were up north and I don't even know the name of the cave. It was a cavern that went down hundreds of feet. And so she goes, I'm not going down there. <laughs> okay, you can go down there, but I'm going to stay up here. So I signed up for the tour. Now, I was the only one that signed up for the tour. Okay, so the lady came in her little uniform, and she did not know how to handle one person. She had her script memorized. And so she goes, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're going to take you on this tour. And then all the whole tour was, you know, instead of, sir, you know, do you see that or you see that? It was, she had her script memorized. And it says, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like you to look this way or that way. But we got down into this cavern, okay, and she said, now, ladies and gentlemen, hold on to a rail because we're going to turn off the lights. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that type of darkness. Okay, now, our bedroom, man, I have to have all the lights out, no light cracking through anywhere. And, but that's dangerous. Last night, I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and my wife left some things in, in my path to get to the bathroom. And I hit something and crashed and everything, you know, and the light goes on, the fan goes on, and my wife is going like that. I go, it's your fault. You know, it's like, you know, don't put stuff in my way. But, um, you know, so they had this darkness, and, uh, uh, and now, now the time comes. This time, Pharaoh told Moses, he says, leave. He says, you guys leave. We don't want you. But you have to leave your flock behind. And, and this is what... Um, um, Moses says in Exodus, or Exodus 10, verse 26, all our livestock will go with us. Not a hoof can be left behind. Everybody say that. Not a hoof can be left behind. I, I think some of you just need to declare that about your life, saying not a hoof's going to be left behind. We're declaring the kingdom of God for this situation. We choose our sacrifices for the Lord our God from these animals, and we won't know how we are to worship the Lord until we get there. He wasn't compromising with Pharaoh at all. And so when God's people leave Egypt, their animals go with them, and they're basically uh, never, uh, you know, and, and Pharaoh says, you know, I don't ever want to see you again. And Moses says, you don't have to worry about it now. We're on our way out. You're never going to see me again. And then this final act is about ready to unfold. Okay, you guys find this interesting, okay? His final act is about ready to unfold, and it is the death of the firstborn. I can't think of anything more tragic than this, you know? And the final judgment involved the death of every firstborn son in Egypt. And can you imagine the great anguish and the wailing that was taking place as a result of this? And you go down to Exodus chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. Now the Lord had told Moses earlier, Pharaoh will not listen to you, but then I will do even more mighty miracles in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron performed these miracles in Pharaoh's presence, but the Lord hardened his heart and he wouldn't let the Israelites go. But eventually, you know, with the firstborn dying, you know, they're saying, get out of here, man. We don't want you. And I just think, you know, boy, America is pretty soft right now. And God's, God is saying, you know, it just takes me turning up the heat and, you know, you can, 
lose everything. You think that you have it all together. And, you know, and so God just comes and, and he says, I just want to remind you that I'm God and you're not. And when you stand back and look at the 10 plagues, you know, what do they teach us? Okay. What do they teach us? And I want to give you a few things here today. And uh, I want you to watch this. Number one, his judgment is certain. Okay. If we stand back and look at it, you know, look at the judgment was of God was deliberate. Okay. The judgment of God was devastating. And the judgment of God was decisive. And if you think, well, I can keep going on and doing my thing and God's not going to judge what I do, I, I'm kind of, you, you need to be, you need to look at your life all over again because God says everything that you do, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to be accountable for your life, for all your sins in your life. It's, it's the truth. People don't want to hear that. God starts with the Nile, he moves to the frogs and the insects and the livestock to the human body, natural disasters, and finally death came on the Egyptian homes. And here's the second thing, no one can stand against the Lord. Not one person can ever stand against the Lord. You know, no puny human dictator can stop him. You know, this guy in Russia, you know, Putin, you know, I'm telling you, he's nothing to God. He's going to have his day before the Lord God, before the judgment seat of God. And no one can stand in his way, not even the most powerful man in the world. And here's the third thing, that God is a jealous God, okay? And he's very jealous for your undivided worship. You know, I, I love our worship team this morning. It was just like, oh man, it's just, you could just sense the presence of God. And we want to bring our worship you know, to the Lord, and, and we, we want to just give him undivided worship. So the question comes down now, how far will God go to deliver his people? And the answer is as far as it takes. God can outlast you. God has more patience than you do. And see, God knew the way it was going to end, and, and that's why we sing that song, There is none like you. There is none like you. There's none like God today. The world says we want our freedom. God says, well, if you want our freedom, then you need to obey my word. You know, and, and God is saying, you know, I'm not going to tolerate, you know, your disobedience. I'm not going to tolerate your rebellion. And so God gives us this message, and, and, and I think there's a number of messages here, that one of them is that we need to be aware of superficial repentance. And I've seen that over and over and over again. You know, you get in a service, oh, I'll repent before the Lord, and I'll give my, you know, and you go back and, you know, before you even get to Main Street or Bear Valley, you've already sinned 14 times. <laughs> you, understand, you understand what I'm talking about? And Pharaoh knew the word of God. He saw the works of God, he, but yet he still refused the word of God. And so, you know, you have a little missional thing that's going on here because these plagues, they reveal God's supremacy. They, they display God's judgment. They, they demonstrate God's glory. And they point to God's mercy. And I think that's pretty powerful. In fact, you know, there, there are three things here. You know, that you see, you, you're going to see his unique omnipotence, okay? 
that there is no one like God in all the earth. Look at Exodus 9, 14. If you don't, I will send more plagues on you and your officials and your people, and then you will know. Notice that, that there is no one like me on the earth. It displays his universal praise. God's power must be pro proclaimed in all the earth. Verse 16. But I have spared you for a purpose. And that purpose is to show my power and spread my fame throughout the earth. And then it is also about unlimited authority. He wants you to see that God says this will happen so that you will know that the earth is the Lord's. And that's in verse number 29. It says this, As soon as I leave the city, I'll lift up my hands to the Lord, and then the thunder and the hail will stop, and you will know that God's, you know, that the earth belongs to the Lord. And every plague was both terrible, a terrible judgment and a severe mercy. You know, I think about these plagues. In a lot of ways, it is God's mercy to say, look at, I'm giving you chance after chance after chance. And he says, it is time to come back to the Lord and quit playing games with God. And some of us today here, we're playing games with God. And God is saying, it's time to give yourself fully to God and to give yourself to him today. And you know... Twice, Pharaoh said, I have sinned. And even one time he asked for forgiveness, but it didn't, it didn't stay with him. And you know, that just kind of brings me to this, this solemn truth today, is that light received receives more light. And light rejected only more darkness. There's some people, you notice that they just go into darkness, and they get darker and darker and darker. And it's like, you know, come on, wake up. Wake up. Some of you have family members, they're making dumb decisions, they're doing stupid, and it's like it's getting worse and worse, and God is just saying, wake up, church, wake up. That's why that 10th plague is so terrifying, the deep darkness in Egypt. It really pictures the deep darkness in Pharaoh's heart. You know, I, I, I've talked to a lot of military guys, and there's a stain out there that's called foxhole prayers. How many know when the bombs are going off over you, it's like a good time to pray, oh, God, help me. You know, but as soon as you get the uniform off and you're saved and it's like, okay, I'm going back the way I was. And, you know, that's not the type of prayers we want today. The type of prayers that we want is we just get on our face and say, God, there is none like you. There's none like you. There's a, in 1832, Joseph Addison Alexander wrote a poem. It was called The Doomed Man. And Karen, you can come up. And it says, how far may we go in sin? How long will God forbear? Where does hope end and where, and where begins the confines of despair? An answer from the skies is sent, yet that from God depart. While it is called today, repent and harden not your heart. And I just say, there comes a time when we have to say, either we're going to bow down or we're going to be broken. And what are you going to do today? What are you going to do? If you don't think God's going to do judgment, you need to go back and read the book of Revelation. You need to read it slowly. You need to read it carefully. You need to read about the seals, the trumpets, the bowls. You need to ponder what's in store for the earth down the road. And 
What God did with the Egyptians was in limited fashion what's going to happen to the world someday. And if you do not bow, I really believe that we will be broken. If you do not repent, you'll perish. And I'd like you to stand today because I, I could not preach this sermon, nor could I, nor could you listen to it without saying, God, are we okay? And how many when you, you can... Um, you can answer that question God are we okay how many know that God answers you I woke up last night and um, I guess after I crashed <laughs> maybe before that but I was, I was doing intensive spiritual warfare I don't know if it was for this sermon today I just felt like I was I was standing in the gap for people and situations and just doing intensive spiritual warfare because I knew that there was going to be a struggle today. There was going to be a struggle for me to present this. There was going to be a struggle for you to listen to it. And, and I just hear the Lord just saying, it's time to let go of every hardness of heart that you have. It's time to let go of every unforgiveness that you have. It's time to let go of the past. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I, I, I kind of was trying to pray about this, but right where you are today, I'm asking the Lord as I pray right now that God would just deal with every person. And Lord, you would begin to do heart surgery. And if you speak to the Lord and ask him, are we okay? And he just says, yeah, you know, this area is, is got some deceit in it. This area has got some stubbornness in it. This area has got unforgiveness. This area has been anxious and not filled with peace. Then you know what? We're going to present it to the Lord. And so, Lord, today, and if you're with me on this, you know God is dealing with you on some hard issues right where you are I just want you to lift your hand and say yeah pastor you're talking to me it might be that you've been too critical it might be that you don't have the you haven't handled things the way you handled maybe you haven't treated your wife or your husband the way you should have your kids and Lord today I come with my hands lifted. Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for allowing hardness to come in. And I think even some might even be just hard toward God. You didn't answer the way I wanted you to answer. You didn't You didn't come through when I prayed and you you've had this hardness of toward God and and, and I just believe the Holy Spirit is just saying, let it go today. Let it go. You can't move forward until you let that go. Some of you have prayed for God to heal, and it's gotten worse. And Some of you have prayed for family members to live, and they didn't. And Lord, we just collect all those things in our heart. And I know sometimes I just need to sit down and, and just have a soul cleansing, oh God. And if anybody does not know Jesus, today's the day that you can know Jesus. And I 
pray for your peace on us, Lord God, your peace. Maybe God will lead you just to somebody across the aisle, but just play real quietly. And, and would you just reach out and just pray for somebody right now before we go today? Would you just find someone just to do that? Just reach out. Find somebody. Find somebody. Just reach out and just pray for them. Look around the room. and you see somebody that needs prayer, just, just reach out and just say, I'm going to pray with you and just bless you today. And bless that God would just touch you. Lord, we want that. Lord, we want your presence, God. Lord, I don't know what people are going through, but you know. You know, Lord Jesus. You know the hurts, the pain. You know the suffering that they're going through. And Lord, we just pray. Today, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for one another, God. 
Lord, put your hand on them. Put your healing hand on them. Lord, we don't want to hold on to things. We don't want to be people that are holding on too tightly to things. Lord, we want to let things go today. Lord, bring forgiveness in our life. Lord, heal us of our hardened hearts, oh God. Lord, I thank you for doing that. Lord, you're healing people right now. Bring healing into people's lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Let's sing that one more song. Therefore, sing hallelujah. Christ is Sign up for the men's breakfast back there. Just go out and uh, the table's there on the left for this Saturday at the church. And uh, let's just lift our hands and put a blessing on you. The elders will be up at the front if you need prayer. Um, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. And together we ask that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, we'll be up here. So have a good day.